keep it real humble. Humble? Just keep it. How could we not be humble when we have to settle for John Calipari's sloppy seconds? <laughs> Jordan Goldwire. Listen, we beat we beat out Eastern Kentucky for that kid, and uh, we came from behind. Jordan Goldwire. <laughs> Alright, so we're here with uh, episode 22 of the Duke Basketball Junkies. Uh, how far we've fallen. Uh, no, we'll, uh, let's get into it. Let's, let's just, let's just, I'm here with Peter Rowe. Hi Peter, how you doing? What's up Junkies? Hi Mike. <laughs> Hi, it's been a little while, we haven't uh, hung out. We talked about Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard at the, on the last podcast. Grayson's back, Luke's gone, to recap. And uh, we, you know, Frank Jackson had... Oh, you, my, you, fa- my favorite player, Frank Jackson. He's going to rip my heart out if some team falsely tells him that they're going to take him late in the first round. So what are you hearing? What are you, what, was it, or not what are you hearing, because you don't really have a lot of inside information. There, there, was, there, was a few, there were a few things. Okay, what did you hear? Um, what did you say? I, I want to say like Fran Fraschilla and Jeff Goodman had a decent amount, talking about a bunch of prospects, and they... Talked a decent amount about Frank Jackson. They both think he should come back, but one guy said there's a, you know, a, a very real chance he'll be drafted late in the first round. In which case, mm-hmm. he would probably go spend a good amount of time in the D League. But given his body type and his skill set, very good outside shooter, athletic, six three with a long wingspan, he's going to be some uh, valuable player in five or six years. And I get. I guess they got into a little bit. Like, there's a downside to coming back to Duke. With if tra- if Trey Duvall comes and Grayson regains his starting position, and uh, Gary Trent Jr. is the top shooting guard in the class. Like, if his minutes shrink, uh, like, you know, the, there's a pretty big downside there. So, so my take on on this kind of thing is when you're a freshman, everybody forgives the fact that you're just a role player. Um, you know. Even if you had really high expectations, uh, and you don't come in and you're not a star and you don't dominate the college game, well, you're a freshman. It's excusable, especially if you're on a good team like Duke, where we've got you know more experienced players that were also big prospects or Kentucky. You can be a role player, you know, on a UCLA even as a freshman and make the jump. But by the time you're a sophomore or a junior, and you're not dominating at the college level, these questions start to pop up, why isn't Frank Jackson dominating? Why isn't he starting? Like, there's a chance he wouldn't start next year uh, with Grayson Allen and Wendell Carter and Actually, I also learned Trey Duvall. It's, yeah. not, it's not Wendell Carter. Oh, what is it? Wendell? Wendell Carter. That's much better. Just, just so you guys know, don't embarrass yourself calling him Wendell Carter if you see him on the streets. My sister's name is Wendy. Wendell Wendy. I don't call her Wendy. 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 All right. Your sense of humor is awful. It's terrible. Dude. It's awful. Uh, so, oh, I didn't. I hadn't thought about Wendell being the male form of Wendy. You don't see it that often anymore. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you, if yeah, you, I think there's a very good chance he's not going to start if he comes back. Even though I think, well, I think he might start. He might have a great year, but okay. why take the risk, like, of kind of fizzling somehow or being exposed on the defensive end further? Uh, like Further. what is there to gain? Like he's probably not going to be a lottery pick next year. I've seen some people say, "Hey, he could be a lottery pick." He could, but probably not. He's not growing, you know. And I mean, he's not sp- going to become a true point guard next year. Well, let me ask you this: if if you're talking, let's say you're friends with Frank Jackson's dad, 
I would ask him, like, do you think Frank Jackson would grow more as a basketball player at Duke in his second year, even with these guys coming in? Let's say, let's assume Trayvon Duvall goes to Duke. Or do you think he would grow sort of like Tyus Jones in Minnesota? You know, yeah. like very rarely sees the court. You know, spent, spent some time in the D League and bounce, sort of bounces back sure. and forth. Like Duke's program is very professionalized as far as college basketball programs are with the facilities, with the, the coaching, but there are limits and constraints placed on how much contact the coaches can have, how much practice, official practice you're actually allowed to do. Um, Mostly game time. Game time as well. There's less games. Playing play time. But, it, you know, what you said about being a, a piece, like an important piece five, six years down the road, that that didn't used to be the case because guys stayed in college three or four years. They came into the NBA, and usually by the second or third year, they were an important piece. But they were the same age as the guys coming out as freshmen who have to wait five years. Like, look at Gordon Hayward. He's He's been very good for a few years, and he was pretty good, but he wasn't, you know, he was a four-year player, right, a three-year player? Uh, if I had to Butler. guess, he was a two-year player. Two, two or three-year? Two. He came into the NBA. I mean, he's, he's an all-star now. and he's a, Was he 13? All, he might be 13 all-NBA this year. I think Bill yeah. Simmons said he voted for him, 13 all-NBA. And he's, like, dominating playoff games against good teams. Um, but his first two years, you know, it wasn't obvious. It might have been obvious that he was going to be a good player, but he wasn't any kind of dominant force. It's very rare for guys to come in and be really good right away. So what's the difference when you come in? It used to be the measure of he's not ready. He's not ready for the NBA. Now it's what's best for his development. Because either way he's not going to be ready for the NBA either well, way these days. I, yeah, you know? well it's it's for a guy like Frank Jackson. It's what's best for your development slash what's the risk reward. Um, in terms of sacrificing another year that you have to wait before you hit that free agent contract, right? You know, I mean, yeah, that, well, like, there's that, one, like, one that's, less that's year big. of making money. In huge, your, we're talking in your, huge money, yeah. like eight figure money, probably for Frank Jackson. Uh, I mean, maybe they maybe. were throwing around. I, you know, the contracts that I saw last summer for a guy like I didn't know a lot of the guys who were getting these crazy deals in the NBA. So the counter argument is Will, is Will Avery. Will Avery. Came out after her first year. Even Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones, like, sure. Would, would, would Tyus Jones' NBA career trajectory be different if he had stayed at Duke for like one more year? I don't. I don't know. I mean, it just depends who drafts you. It's so contingent on who drafts you, yeah. who's on the roster, what the coaching staff is like. You you don't want to develop on the Sacramento Kings, right now, last year, the year before. You want to develop on the bench at San Antonio. You want to develop on the bench in Golden State. There's there's good programs and there's programs that haven't been as good. And a bit of that, like so perhaps being a late first round pick puts you on a better team, gets you better mentorship, coaching, leadership. Like the the salary difference between being picked fourteenth or fifteenth and twenty third, it's not insignificant. Right. But the real salary difference is your first free agent, your second free agent <clears throat> contract. Uh, so that that's what that's what these guys are thinking about. So what was interesting for me that I read about Frank Jackson was an article in the Salt Lake Herald, I think, whatever they call the paper up there with the uh, the people in the in the Utah. The uh, his dad gave an interview to the, to the local paper, and um, I'm going to read you a couple of the quotes because they struck me as I was a little surprised at the tone. Very clear. His his dad was very his position was clear. 
perhaps it's just his dad's position. This may not reflect Frank's thoughts exactly, but he says, Frank has always wanted to be in the NBA. All right, no big deal. Uh, he went to Duke for a variety of reasons, and we absolutely made the right decision. Okay, good, right? Not trashing the program. If he had gone anywhere else, we wouldn't have had to struggle with this decision. If he went anywhere else, Frank would have been a one-and-done player with no doubt. That's how the... I'm like, wow, that's how his dad thinks of him. He thought of him as a one-and-done player. No doubt. Now, maybe he didn't mean it to sound as sort of certain as that. No, I think he did. But but that's, that's saying something. He says, the door is definitely open for Frank to return, and Frank still may very well go back. But it sounds to me as if, at least in his mind, you know, if he's going to be a, a late first-round pick, he's probably not coming back. And like maybe my son will change his mind, and the door's open. They told him he could come back, but he's a one-and-done player, and he's always, you know, we've always thought he's a one-and-done player. Or maybe just that's his dad saying, you know, in the era of crazy college basketball dads, Frank Jackson doesn't sound crazy. He just sounds like a guy who is real confident about his son. He then goes on to say, this is the last quote, he has superior athleticism, he has high character, and a high basketball IQ. And it's clear enough to us that, you know, teams consider Frank an NBA player. So, you know, he seems very confident giving this interview. But yeah, I mean, I, l- let me defend Frank Jackson's dad. I'm good with his dad yeah. talking. It's fine. I mean, let's let's say Frank didn't go to a top maybe six program. Mm-hmm. He would have started anywhere else. What do you think his numbers w- would have been? Sure. Like probably like 18, 6, and 5, something like that. And I doubt it. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think he's that good a distributor. But it, there's no reason he could have sco- couldn't have scored twenty playing for, you know, Clemson, or something. You know, yeah. Tag teaming with Blossom game, but you know, all these teams have more senior players that it's like, hard to just go to some program and like just dominate. Like maybe if he went to Eastern Kentucky, Frank Jackson would put up twenty seven a game. But like you know, it's all I mean, relative. Twenty seven is really high, but yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. always been a score first. He's had that score first mentality. Yeah. If he went to like BYU or Utah, I think his numbers would have yeah looked nothing like you know what he averaged. I think he averaged like eleven two and two, something like that. Mm-hmm. Eleven three and two. His shooting percentages were were all very good. But you know, if if we turn back the clock one year, he's Frank Jackson was a top ten recruit, maybe top twelve recruit. You know, those guys are typically one and done. Like those the, guys are like the now, top the top dozen yeah. recruits are typically one and done. So he was on the fringe of that. He wasn't one of the guys talked about as being obviously one and done. But you were excited about him when he came in. You were like, "What, Russell Westbrook, Jack, Gen- Frank Jackson?" Generally speaking, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, those those are the guys who are going to be one and done. Yeah, I mean, I, and you know, look, we've had a long, we've had players that came off the bench and, and were one and one and done. Corey McGetty came yep. off the bench and was one and done. Uh, more recently, you know, guys who had, you know, look at Scal Labissier last year. He had a real disappointing season. Averaged like under six points a game. Still went, you know, around twenty or in the low twenties, low to mid twenties to this. By the way, the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, by the end of the season, he scored thirty points in a game. He, so who knows? Kentucky right? has a guy who might be none and done. Yeah, Hamidou Diallo. Okay, I, I'm I'm assuming no relation to Czech Czech Diallo. 
Tell me. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I saw he, he like he there. like uh, registered or showed up on campus second semester. I see. Uh, worked out with the team, and in terms of talent and athleticism and skill set, he's just as good as all the top guys in his class. For I don't I don't know why the timing worked out that way, but he did, and I think he's going to be in the draft. So without playing a game, none and done. So we don't know what's going to go on Frank Jackson. It, I, I thought when he declared, okay, he's just exploring. But after reading, I'm, I'm getting his dad's more and more scared, and like more times passing, I'm getting more and more scared. So the combines this week, he's scrimmaging there. He, so oh, because that that was actually an issue. <clears throat> that was a question mark. So he's definitely playing five on five. Because a lot, yeah, a lot of these kids are being so. sort of selective in terms of like what parts of the combine they're they're participating yeah. in. Uh, I believe so. I hope I'm not wrong. I looked at the list. I looked yeah. for Frank Jackson. Uh, and like, like I thought he was on. Like that kid, Hamidou Diallo is is intentionally not playing in the five on five, but he'll he'll participate. Anyone in who's other a lottery pick or a borderline lottery pick isn't. But I saw Frank Jackson was scrimmaging, and I thought, okay, he's trying. You know, that's actually an argument maybe in favor of him coming back because if he does it and he doesn't show well in the scrimmage. It may hurt his stock a little bit. Yeah, I, he's also like trying to get get in the minds of people he wants to be seen. I think what the scouts are looking for are, I mean, they want to see if he can be a a point guard. I'm not sure. Like, can he initiate the offense? Can he make passes? Yeah, I read an article like kind of like saying his high side was like a Damian Lillard kind of. You know, yeah, like good a, luck to him. Like, like, a, like a Kyrie a Irving type, like a point guard, <laughs> but he he doesn't re- he's not really a true facilitator. He's a score first point guard. It's pretty clear that's not what he is. That he's he, to me he's more like um, I'm going to go back in time again. He's more like a like a, at best a Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf. Chris Jackson was sick. He was sick, but he wasn't. It wasn't like a point like a, a pass. He was a score first point guard kind of. Now, I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's nearly that good, but I think he's You do think I he's think he's good. closer to that good <clears throat> than, than you think he's gonna be. I mean, that guy had popping athleticism and range and, and all the things and you know, Frank Jackson was really good off the dribble. I saw something about him you know, averaging above one point per possession off the dribble. You know, when right. he At know, Duke or in high school? At Duke. At, at Duke. Duke and I was like, Oh, and then I thought about it. Mostly when he was aggressive towards the basket, good things happened. And I saw he shot 47% for the year. His three-point percentage was 39. I actually thought he was a really great corner three corner shooter, three. Yeah. like from the catch-and-shoot. Um, his usage just wasn't that high. And just people, too, just nobody, blame, nobody blames him for that. So, you know, I would pick him with a late first-round pick. And I just don't know what he wants. If what he wants is to just start his pro career, then he's gone. You know, like let you know, me most let, let me just say, I think Frank Jackson will be head and shoulders better than Luke Kennard in three four years. Okay, that's a good prediction. As long as Luke Kennard doesn't turn into Larry Bird. <laughs> I don't know. He's like gonna... like our friend Devin Gordon said, stated. So I listened to this game theory podcast. Uh, and I think they do a really good job. I recommend it. They they often talk about Duke topics. And I'm not sure if they're just interested in Duke because they just maybe they always talk about Duke and Kentucky because they're the most relevant basketball programs. The guy's name I'm gonna look it up super fast is Sam Sam Vicini. I'm probably butchering it. Vicente. Is that it? Vicini. Vicini. V e c e n i e. It's Game Theory Podcast. 
he's been putting out a couple podcasts a week talking about, and he's mentioned and analyzed like all the Duke prospects. He's talked about Frank Jackson. He's talked about Luke Kennard. Is it a college basketball podcast? It's college basketball centric with a decent amount of NBA talk. Okay. Um, but it's more interested in the college game. And uh, I think he does a great job. It's part of uh, a network of podcasts that you know, I listen to a couple of them. He, um, he had a, an episode on sort of cross-racial cross uh, player comps. How it's that whole thing we talked about earlier in the year. Like we don't only who, want to compare Luke to white guys. Exactly. Right. And uh, he compared Luke to Rodney Hood, which struck me as weird at first. But then he basically was like, statistically, they're very similarly efficient offensive players at Duke in pick and roll situations. And then he named a couple of situations, and he was basically like one point one, one point two points per. It was like he's exceptional. Points per possession, averages in certain situations, okay. and he he thought their offensive games were somewhere. He said, you know, Kennard's a better ball handler, you know, and Rodney Hood has a little more athleticism um, and, and length. Not, it seems like length. he has length, a little more length, a little bit more height, but yeah, I, I but can, a little I, less I, ball skills. Yeah, I can see, less ball skills. I can see that. That's really, that's a very interesting comparison. And what was good about the points they were making generally about this this concept is that. Really, no two players are exactly alike. We we look to find comparisons, and like usually we reach to find. We look to Larry Bird, and like nobody's Larry Bird, right? It would be more accurate to look to some role player that's coming off the bench for the Sacramento Kings quite often than it is. Now that's that's the most likely destination for these guys is like some sort of, you know, role player off the bench or a fourth or fifth starter. Most of the time, it's not superstars, and. Um, I thought it was it was interesting. It was interesting to think about, and I've been trying to comp Luke Kennard ever since he got to Duke, and it's kind of hard to do. You know, at first I thought he was John Shire, and he just he wasn't John Shire. He's not. He's none of those guys. He's Luke Kennard, but statistically, it sounds like he's a lot in common with Rodney Hood, which bodes well. Like efficient offensive players that can handle the ball and pass well, that's good. It's just is he going to get killed on defense? Yes, he will Pro- get killed on defense. Probably he'll get killed. All right, so um, we'll get into maybe exactly where we think the, the futures of all our guys are going to be heading into the draft and some of the some of the top top prospects and what we think of them. But uh, I think you know I think we aired it out on Frank Jackson. We hope he comes back still. Um, we're starting kind of leaning against it. I kind of think if I were betting on it, I don't think I'd bet on him to come back. Um, I'm starting to agree with you. Yeah, sadly. So the deadline's May twenty third. The draft camp is this week. You can you know find reports on it on the internet. Hope you know maybe we'll link to one or two things. But you know look for yourselves, guys. See see how he's doing. See what the reports say, and then we'll we'll know in two weeks whether he's going to stay in the draft or not. Uh, unfortunately, sort of the letter of intent deadline is before that, May seventeenth. So if Trey Duval's considering Frank Jackson, then he's not going to have that information most likely. Um, and you know he basically it, it's a little interesting I, I wasn't sure that they had to declare by May 17th that's the letter of intent deadline and I read something today uh, that says they don't Mo Bamba doesn't have to I thought it was weird that Trayvon Duval said I'm going to declare soon and I thought no kidding you're going to declare soon the deadline only have a week <laughs> the deadline's May 17th but it turns out you can just commit later and just fill out a financial aid form, and you just don't get that athletic scholarship. Are you worried about Trayvon Duvall? 
Absolutely. Like okay, so, so I've, I've I've seen and read multiple sources who claim that it's a slam dunk for Duke, like 95 percent. That was earlier. But it seems like he's dragging his feet. So what's he waiting so for? If it's ninety percent. Now I'm a what's bit more worried. For? Plus, I also thought like all these sites said that Kevin Knox was either slam dunk collectively. He's either going to be at Duke or UNC. Yeah. And then he went to Kentucky. He must have been swayed by that Calipari thirty for thirty. <laughs> Who knows? Like, I mean, the truth is nobody, nobody knows? really knows. You're getting some sort of wisdom of the crowd. If, you, if you were Kevin Knox, where would you have gone? God, I have no idea. UNC I is the I can't answer. Put myself in UNC. His shoes. Look at the, look at the team. Joel Berry came back. Theo mm-hmm. Pinson came back. That means you have a distributing a pass first point guard, a lockdown defender, so you don't have to work that hard on defense. And Tony Bradley will probably come back. Luke May. And they have a, they recruited a top twenty five shooting guard, like the pieces are right there. And, and obviously the teams at Duke and Kentucky are going to be great, also. But sure. Well, it's interesting. Like if you go to one of these sort of loaded teams, you can hide. This guy's less this guy, pressure. There's this guy less, doesn't seem like he wants <laughs> to hide. There's less pressure <laughs> that you have to come in and you know. I think he wants to be the man. Yeah. Um, Which is surprising that he went to Kentucky. I just don't know anything about him. You know, I saw him dunk on some highlights, and like, who knows what this guy kid thinks? And I thought he and he and Trayvon Duval might be a, like a package. I read that somebody said that, somebody repeated it, someone else repeated it, some, and then all of a sudden, it was what sixty percent of people thought. Some knucklehead like you and me. Yeah, yeah. Someone's <laughs> gonna listen to this. Someone's gonna tweet it, and like certain certain things just pick up steam, and maybe they say something. Like Frank Jackson's father says something, and now we believe what we believe partly because of that. And maybe he was just spouting off, and like who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe I don't know what the situation there is. Their relationships, like maybe he has an agenda. I, who knows? He's probably a great dad. He probably doesn't have an agenda. He's probably just being honest. But like the the way these impressions get formed, nobody really knows except the kid and maybe one or two people around the kid. And there's people around the kid that probably don't know. So, like, all you can do is wait. But while we're waiting, we might as well speculate a little more. <laughs> Trayvon Duvall, it just seems to me that our momentum is kind of going away from us in this recruiting class. Last year, like, every guy was committing, you know. Like, after the last couple years, it just seemed that way. And I wonder if it has to do with the transfers out. I wonder if it has to do with our disappointing season. You know, the, the taint of, like, Grayson Allen Gate. Uh, Maybe the, the lack of playing time for Chase Jeter, Javon Delorier, these, these like top forty, top thirty recruits. Like I they, wonder, ne- they never see the court. I wonder if Bolden, Bolden doesn't yeah, say exactly. anything on Twitter, doesn't say anything to the press, but he talks to his buddy who he knows from the AAU circuit, who was the number five recruit in the country, and that guy tells the other guy, and maybe they talk. Maybe it's a small community. You know, maybe the, there's a whisper. Yeah. You know, but it also, we, we leave ourselves open to a whisper campaign. Yeah. Because, you know, this year didn't look that great from a variety of perspectives. And, uh, you know, it might feel riskier to go to Duke than it does to go to Kentucky. Like, how does, how does Calipari get all these guys? Calipari's <laughs> nice to everybody. Like, he's, he's just a sweet dude, it seems like. Like, he just opens his doors to these guys. He looks like he's going to be your best friend. And he looks like a slimy agent. In fact, right. I mean, in that documentary, the thirty for thirty, 
He, I mean, he came, came across looking cheesy. fantastic. Fantastic? <laughs> like, he's always sort of like a clown figure, but then you, you go back to his UMass days and his Memphis days. Like, he wants to win so bad. He's, like, always, like, just yelling at his players in terms of fundamentals. So, like, I was like, oh, this guy's amazing. I mean, even even those though UMass he, teams even were, though were he's amazing. A, even though it seems like he's a clown. Like, he's just... For me, I, he strikes me as a, as a clownish figure. Maybe when he's interviewed, maybe when he speaks in, in a microphone, he's probably different, you know, one-on-one when you're not like, like that. A, after that Memphis team lost to Kansas, he, he like, blamed God. He said, God didn't want us to win. That's why we didn't win. And Jay Billis, the voice of reason, said, it wasn't God who cost you that game. It's because Kansas out-executed you down the stretch, and you guys missed all those free throws. That's why you lost. Let's get that straight. And Calipari saying, God didn't want us to win that game. <laughs> like, he's just a clown. I think what he was probably saying is, I have to accept this. Of loss course, like because, you're accepting God's fate. will. You know, like who am I to say? Like, re- like he was trying to show grace there, and it was like a clumsy attempt of showing grace. I mean, when when John Cheney attacked Calipari in the press conference <laughs> 25 years ago, when Eddie Jones and Aaron McKee were playing, and there was Lou Rowe and Marcus Camby, and like the, I don't know exactly what happened, but the passion, like I hated John Calipari because I was a Temple fan. And I love John, John Chaney. Chaney. Yeah, yeah, and like that guy was what basketball was all about. But like Calipari was just an up and coming young buck. Do you know what? Didn't respect authority. You know what? Chaney was a hothead. Like Chaney yeah. was a hothead. Like looking I, back on, I, it, I actually gained respect for Calipari, who immediately afterwards said, "You know what, guys? I'm not going to say anything because I'm probably whatever I say is going to come out wrong. I'm just going to walk away." I mean, that's that's restraint. Sure. He had, you know, there's some sanctions against his program, the UMass. All his, whatever program he's at. It's happened. The wins are vacated. But like, I think probably he's a different individual than he used to be. People grow, people change. But like, there's no doubt he's always had a fire in his belly and he's really good at networking. If you, like he had, he just has a, you could see like on TV or on his Podcast, which I, I, can't, I hate to admit, I subscribe to. I it's unbelievable. He's got he's got Everyone, a podcast during the season. He's got like during his, the season he has a podcast. He's got this slew of a a list guests, and they all come on and they suck each other's. Yeah. you know, like they they just blow smoke at each other, and it, it it's it almost does seem genuine, actually. Yes, and I don't I, want I it to be. I it agree does with seem you. that way. He's yeah. almost generous with. The way he talks to people, Coach K went on his podcast. I know, I listened to that one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they they expressed mutual admiration, and I want them to hate each other. Calpar <laughs> just strikes me as like a Jerry Maguire type figure. Yeah, you know, just like a he just always wants to be there with these awesome guys, the Anthony Davises, the you know, like Carl Anthony Towns. He does Marcus seem be. He just part he just, agent more than Coach K. Yeah, like slick back yeah. hair. Like he he wants to be there at draft day. He so maybe that's it. Calipari looks like an advocate, not like someone who's going to put you to the test and like trial by fire. But it's like Derek Rose in his practices. He was like, it, it does seem like he wants to win. It does seem like he's trying to coach the heck out of his teams. Right, but he's still sort of. He has a deeper See, bench. Yeah, he, he has a deeper to bench. Like be Coach a K, it's like motor. you know this 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 recency of the, the the very short bench. No, that's not recent. Man, or maybe always like that. Like all the transfers, does that happen at Kentucky? I don't know. Or is that does that happen under California? It must. Everyone gets transfers, but it just seems like so much lately. Uh, we're getting a little off track. Getting into John Calipari, I want to bring it back to the, like the recruits. Uh, Mo Bamba and Trey Duval still officially have us on their list. 
Mo Bamba, no one's talking about going to Duke anymore, but I, 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 we don't know anything. Kevin Knox, nobody thought Kevin Knox was going to Kentucky. There's still a small chance. But Duval's the guy. Duval still seems to me the critical piece. Yeah. I, um, so I feel like Mo Bamba maybe is leaning to Texas. I did see a rumor Texas. about Duval like pulling an Emmanuel Moutier. Or, you know, he's playing. It just seems like he's playing coy. Really? Moutier went to China yeah, and played. Yeah, yeah, or overseas. I think it was just somebody saying something on Twitter that wasn't a real thing. Um, we'll see. I mean, I don't, you know. Sure. Arizona seems to be picking up some steam. Apparently, but who knows? Again, and uh, the uh, it just felt like when Kevin Knox didn't declare for Duke that it was like a little less likely Duval was coming. Why are they boys? Because the story was yeah, they're they're buddies. Are they? Yeah, they were maybe going to be a package. Like they weren't a package, uh, but there was these some package whispers. deals are yeah, yeah. over uh, over, but, over you stated now. And you know, Grayson Allen coming back is that bad? I don't know. Someone said it's bad. Let's uh, let's get into what 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 has happened since the Kevin Knox uh, right before Kevin Knox. I think we we got a commitment from a kid named Jordan Goldwire. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Goldwire is a six foot two, one hundred seventy pound point guard Come from Norcross, Georgia. Man. Now, he, now he was considering Mercer, and he was about to commit to Eastern Kentucky. I also he, heard UNLV was in the running. He actually had five or six offers. UNLV, yeah. UNLV was in the running. Uh, and his quote was this. Apparently it was a very last minute overture from Duke. Um, because you know, he said, this is crazy. As he said this after he committed. Something I never expected. They said they needed another ball handler who would be able to run the second group. And uh, he's ranked 327 in his class. I saw another ranking that was 390. 83rd point guard. When you think about it, that sounds really low compared to the numbers we usually see. But... He's basically, you know, the average or little above average point guard for the two or three hundred Division One teams. But he's like was destined to go to a, like a, a lesser light, and now we reached out and scooped him up, and the coach at Eastern Kentucky is just upset as hell. <laughs> this guy was probably a linchpin of his linchpin of his recruiting class, and uh, he's going to Duke. Um, I watched I watched some video of him. He just looked like a like a decent normal point guard. Like, you know, he, there was a good, oh like get this. I, I watched this. one too. He looked unimpressive. Well, he's not flat. He's yeah, he's not he one of our normal quite looking guys. unimpressive. He looked like Justin Robinson would look like if he were a guard. Well, how about Tyler Thornton? Maybe this guy is our next Tyler Thornton. And we've been talking about where are our four year players coming from. Maybe we should recruit one of these guys every year. <laughs> that are a little better than just a walk-on and have some potential. Like, why can't we scout the guy who's ranked 200th in his class and say, you know what, nobody sees it, but we do because we know basketball. Like, Maryland always pulled these recruits. He never got top 50 guys, or not usually, you know. Their guys developed. Calipari, when he was at UMass, those guys weren't McDonald's All-Americans. Like, there's no reason that maybe they saw something in this kid. Yeah, or maybe they just know somebody. But uh, interesting facts about him, and then I'll let you speak on it and what it means about our program that we had to reach out and recruit Jordan Goldwire. Um, he's plays for the Blue Devils in high school, the Norcross Blue Devils, and he has a six nine teammate named Lance Thomas. So he's basically already was playing for Duke. 
What are the odds of that? Meaning currently, he has a teammate named Lance Thomas. His high school teammate's name was Lance Thomas. He was the biggest guy on the team. He was 6'9". We had a guy that was 6'8", named Lance Thomas at Duke a few years ago. So he's like, you know, he's going to feel right at home uh, wearing a Blue Devils jersey. Oh, and his team was ranked second in the state. They lost the state championship game. So point guard on a state championship can title. He's a winner. On his own level, I'm he's a winner. He's I'm just a, not a five-star recruit. I'm assuming he's a pass-first guy, pass-first point guard. I, I, went, I tried to look up his stats, but I never quite got there. That's, can, that's how big this guy is. But maybe I can pull up the box score to, to his final four games. You know, I don't know. No, I mean, it makes, it makes sense. Like, this year and even last year, um, once Tyus Jones left, we we haven't had like a, a true point guard. Like Derek Thorne was also sort of in the Frank Jackson mold in terms of like looking for a shot. Maybe the coat the Duke coaching staff just wants to have a more of a pure point guard in in the pocket just in case. Maybe just like in, just in or case, or even just in practice to run with the second team. Yeah, I mean that's like, what that's what Tyler Thorne was when like, he was in Kyrie's class. They're like, look, we need a backup point guard. Sure, you know. And then he actually developed and became a contributor because Coach K loved him. Became a leader. For reasons that probably went over the heads of most of the Duke fans because I don't... No, I think a like, lot of Duke I fans really, love Tyler Thornton. Me and you were like, why is this guy on the there court? There are a lot of Duke fans <laughs> who are like... <laughs> he was a good defensive player. Yeah. Yeah. And he hit a few clutch buckets. But I imagine Jordan Goldwire's ceiling is... Around there, or maybe a little bit less than Tyler Thorne. I don't know. He I don't also, know I, I he think, I think he's he, he looks was, better to me. He's taller. Yeah, Tyler Thorne was really short. Nah, what was Tyler I don't Thornton? think so. Five ten. Gold Goldwire is also on the same traveling team, AAU team. I don't know the difference uh, with uh, Alex McConnell. Okay. And uh, apparently McConnell's a really good shooter, very brash, talks a lot of smack. You know. Okay. So, According to Wikipedia, Tyler Thornton's six one, but I don't believe it. But maybe he's 6'1", like uh, Jordan Goldwire is 6'2". And also Jordan Tucker is from Georgia, so maybe Duke is just just focusing on Georgia for whatever reason. Maybe Coach K always wanted to have a Jordan on his team. You know, we didn't ever... Michael Jordan went to UNC, I hear. So uh, now we're trying to get two Jordans. So Jordan Goldwire commitment, like, almost seems... uh, Weird. Eyebrow-raising. It was was weird. Eyebrow-raising. And it... Like, it also it also said to me perhaps that's another brick in the wall that we're not getting Trayvon Duvall that we we sort of just are reaching out to grab any available point guard because there's very few left in the country that are not committed at this point because almost everybody's committed. Remember Matt Coleman turned us down to go to uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. It was like a top forty or fifty point uh, recruit. Yeah, a couple of our recruits didn't. You know, uh, maybe that maybe there's no we're gonna have the cupboard's a little bare. And this guy was available, and maybe they had seen him and thought he was all right. It's a head scratcher for sure. And Alex Con- Alex O'Connor came in and said, "Hey, I need some I need some support on the second team, on the bench. I want to hang out with my buddy." Uh, but wouldn't it be great if this guy ends up being a success story? Uh, Jordan Goldwire, dude. We 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 <laughs> want these. I want some underdog to actually develop into a really really good player. At Duke, whether I hope it's Delaria. I hope it's Delaria. <laughs> it was Delaria, and Delaria had to be like doing laps around West Campus, you know, with his arms raised up when Kevin Knox didn't commit, right? Because that guy's taking his minutes. That he's like on the bench again, and now Delaria should be one of our primary role players. 
who knows? Maybe he comes back and improves to the point where he could contend for a starting job since there's nobody else on the team. Starting job? Hey, you never know. You know, it's maybe more of a big junior year. I mean, Wendell Carter and uh, Marquise mm-hmm. Bolden are going to be maybe. front line. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, I hope he gets minutes. It looks like more likely he's going to get minutes. But we we did once Kevin Knox turned us down. We reached out and offered like immediately to Jordan Tucker, uh, who's a six seven. Another sign of desperation. Like we've got to settle for these sloppy seconds. Well, yeah. So even though this, this guy, guy is, is quite guy, good, this guy's like way better. Like, this guy's like top forty. Well, this guy's way more talented. So they do it. Five star guys are like generally top fifty guys. The top forty guy. They're they're very high prospects. They 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 twenty five ish. Is it twenty five? Four star guys are sort of everybody else in from twenty five to 100. about hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy's a four star guy. Um, Jordan Goldwire was a two or three star guy. Um, I heard he became three star after we recruited him. Yeah. Okay. That might make sense. I mean, guys. Yeah. Guys. Uh, I heard when we recruited Marshall Plumley, he he was selected for the McDonald's All American game. Marshall Plumley so selected was selected for that. that yeah, can't be there, right. there's like a connection there. Like when yeah. we recruit them, their stock elevates. It's our stamp of approval. It's a little fishy. It's like, um, yeah, if some successful business person takes on a partner, and if he's unknown, all of a sudden he com- he becomes the it guy. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, that they guy, must be good. They're dancing together. <laughs> it, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they offer Jordan Tucker. He's six seven. 200 pounds, it says. He's visiting Duke as we speak. He's visiting today, and uh, let me get the, the numbers out of the way. He's also considering Georgia Tech and Syracuse. He's fr- he plays ball in New York, plays basketball in New York. He's the 10th-ranked New York basketball player. I saw the ranking 77 uh, nationally out of all players in his recruiting class. He, 77th, like, on 247. I think he was top yeah. 40 on ESPN. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I the also rank, the saw something that said, is he the best shooter in the class? And he, I watched I watched a little highlight video of him, as I, as I love to do, and all it is is jump shots. <laughs> I saw the it, shot distribution also. Like, he's shooting mid-40s from the corners and then, like, mid-30s from top of the key. and Mid-range and jumpers and three-pointers. And, like, how, we could use that. It reminded me a little of... Like an Andre Dawkins, but not as pretty. Not the shot's not as pretty, but okay. it it reminded me maybe something like he's like a taller, Dawkins. you know, taller, probably less athletic Andre Dawkins. His less athletic, athletic, his athletic, his uh, athleticism did not stand out to me, even as a in his own mixtape. And I'm usually easily impressed by these things. Uh, I, I I do want to say though that it, it it felt like when we reached out to Tucker, he seemed quite eager. Here's what I love. You know, exactly. Like, like, like he tweeted, then he's he he's his, signed up for a visit like almost instantly. Like it seems like he's very into like wow. Well, Duke well, he wants knew, me. I'm there. He knew it was coming if that happened. I think he if, knew if Knox. Yeah, he, he seemed ready for it, and there was a reason he probably hadn't committed yet. He was our backup plan to Kevin Knox, and I'm sure he was rooting for it. Uh, what was amazing, and he's the juice man on 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 Twitter at the real J Tux, uh, Tux with a CKS. He's um, this guy kid has a big personality, uh, and what I love seeing, you know, in contrast to Trayvon Duval, who's like completely closed-lipped, and Kevin Knox, who was just like, I'm not going to say anything, and I'm just going to post my announcement on Twitter, one little, one little line. This guy was like. 
exclamation points on like Duke made me an offer. I can't right. believe like I'm a, I'm on top of the world. He see, he seems quite happy. He posted six times about it. Um, it must make Syracuse and Georgia Tech feel pretty crappy to see like this guy like Syracuse is probably going to get him. Um, to see him just be so over the moon about Duke. And maybe he's over the moon I about mean, Syracuse when they offered him. Yeah, I mean, I'm maybe he's I'm just like, sure. hey, Duke wants me. I'm, I'm awesome. Sh- but I'm sure those schools are, are used to that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too long ago Syracuse was right, right with us in terms of, you know, recruiting. What, 20 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, Derek Coleman, John Wallace, all these guys. Yeah. Okay, those yeah. are three guys. Is that, it? Is that all you got? Ronnie Cycli. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, Sherman Douglas there's been plenty of big rec- I mean okay. Syracuse is a big program yes they, they get good they recruits are, they, they do very very well in their area by big you're saying like top 20 but Duke nowadays like top 2 yeah I know so. I know I know I'm saying like they probably don't consider it as much of a disparity as you do Jim Beheim probably doesn't Right, I'm. Reason. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, the, there's there's a pecking order. There's a totem pole. I mean, all these schools know that you know if if a Kentucky or a Duke or sure Kansas wants one of these kids, Arizona wants one of these kids. You know, they're just gonna have to go to the next yeah. kid, and so, usually it's it's Jordan Goldwire. So not only but, is uh, Jordan Tucker tweeting about how excited he is, but he's retweeting other people's congratulations on getting the Duke offer. Like, not just one or two, like a bunch. People be like, congrats, bro. No, congrats to the GZ, the real Jay Tucks. Hashtag 914 shit. <laughs> That's just awesome. Like, I, I believe, I, I'll be surprised if he doesn't commit to Duke tomorrow. Today. I was, I was actually... I'm waiting for the tweet. I was, I was actually <laughs> thinking there was a decent chance they would commit today. Yeah, so... That, that he would visit and then just take the picture and... Yeah. So good on the coaching staff or whoever was recruiting this guy for, for like, being prepared for Kevin Knox turning it turning us down. Like, it's kind of bad that these guys wait so long. It puts us and it puts schools in like sort of an awkward position of having to sort of rely on a guy for that spot and then not have a backup plan. Here we 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 had a backup plan it seems and it looks like there's a good chance we're going to get this kid and he's going to we're not the cupboard's not going to be bare. This kid. Maybe he won't be that great as a freshman, but like the cupboard wouldn't have been bare even yeah. if he didn't. Even if we didn't get Jordan Tucker, even if we don't get trade of all. Yeah, we I still have like, enough talent. I mean, you know, how bad could Justin Robinson be? Justin Robinson? How bad can Brankovich be? Like, if we actually get him in, so those guys would probably be okay. But Robinson's it makes us, probably awful. <laughs> how bad could he be? His dad's David. Robinson. He's the only guy I know who is skinnier than Brandon Ingram. Yeah, but like, how could that guy not be great at basketball? I was so excited when I heard David Robinson's son was coming. You're joking, right? <laughs> I hadn't done my research. I was like, and we got David Robinson's son? He's not even taking up a scholarship? How great is that? Right? All right, so so we're, we're, we're scrapping together a recruiting class. Uh, but It feels that way, but really we have these two studs. Wendell Carter and Gary Trent Jr. Yeah. And possibly Trey Duvall. And we still might get Trey Duvall. And we're going to be all right. Um, So pay attention. You know, we're going to be paying attention over the next couple weeks. The next week, we'll probably know from Jordan Tucker, you know, for sure within the next week, maybe the next couple days. 
And um, Mobamba hasn't talked about when he's going to commit. We're still holding out hope. That would be crazy. But I'm not expecting it. And Trey Duval, still hoping it's a, at least like some kind of coin toss for him. But it feels like maybe it isn't. I, I, I read something yesterday that some reporter or some, some blogger mm-hmm. was talking to a coach. And the coach, who is not a Duke coach, said, the, the kid's going to Duke. Okay. For whatever that I hope so. Means. I mean, I'm, I don't feel good about it. I don't <laughs> you feel don't feel good. good about it? I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I, actually feel I don't want to get good. my hopes up. I actually feel it. pretty good about it. I, I also read that Kansas is out of scholarships, so they're not in the Trayvon Duvall sweepstakes. It's Arizona. Arizona? It's Arizona. He's that, got he's got to play with that Alonzo Trier kid. Who wants to play with him? Uh, do you want to touch on the NBA? It's actually like almost time to wrap up. Uh, we got into it right after that poker discussion. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, we're actually we're okay. We're about forty five minutes now. Uh, shout out to Quinn Snyder. Yes, you know, went out like a warrior. Just showed super well with with the Jazz and how they he, played. In the he's playoffs. got so much respect from coaches, players, writers. Yeah, he's got got that. I've got my stuff together. Look to him, and it's like a it's it's an unbelievable redemptive arc. For him, redemptive arc, yes. Like he, he was literally out of the game after his the mess at Missouri, which I still don't really understand. Like they got put on probation. There were like a dozen recruiting violations, and so Kareem he, Rush, he got kicked out. The program got placed on probation. Meanwhile, Rick Pitino is literally running a brothel at Louisville. <laughs> they self-impose a postseason ban for one year, and then people just forget about it. Like I don't, I don't understand. I mean, Patino... I don't get it. See, the, the Patino already has a tarnished image in a certain way. People look at him as, like, kind of a... kind of a villain. Or, like, sleazy. a trickster, sleazy. Sleazy. So, like, when some news story breaks about... And it was almost, like, a bridge too far, the story. Like, it was unbelievable that he would have been involved. <laughs> so, like, because of that... And then the real story I thought that was even worse was, like, his whole thing with his with his wife like you know his, his where he slept with the wife of the strength trainer in a restaurant like that, six or seven years ago yeah that that was the yeah. sort of thing just like nothing sticks to the guy well it all sticks but to I mean, him like we, we think of him a certain way and yeah he fits whatever caricature we have in mind of him whether it's true or not it you know and but going, when 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 there's a duke guy and there's a coach k story or there's something about the program or someone who is one it's like they can't wait to get us because we seem sanctimonious to them. Yeah, the We're only t- like really salacious thing that I've heard about Duke and its players was like Lance Thomas getting a hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry from New York while he was a player. Like his senior year, I think he got maybe like nine. He just was able to get ninety thousand dollars worth of jewelry from some New York jewelry store. Someone on, loaned on him money, something or, like yeah, that. Something that's the only. That's really the only thing I've heard. Um, and then Corey Maggette when he was there. But going back to Quinn Snyder, if you guys don't know, like after he got the boot from Missouri, he was like an assistant coach, Philadelphia, San Antonio. He coached in the D-League. Coached in the D-League. He coached in like Russia. I mean, he was literally, I read a few articles about him. You know, he was about to give it up. You know, he's about to give up coaching. You know, like he's got an MBA and a JD from Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure he could, you know, pursue other other careers but and by uh, the way he is 
He is a baller when it comes to sort of his personal style. Like he's just smooth. He's just intense, cat. smooth. Yeah, yeah. Looks good. Uh, apparently he knows the X's and O's, you know. So good for him. Plus he's got Rodney Hood. Yeah, smooth, so, smooth guy off the bench. So Rodney Hood had a really great start to the season. Got injured late. His role got a little reduced. And well, I was uh, disappointed to see Iso Joe take a lot of his minutes in the playoffs. Joe I, I Johnson. I think I think it was just sort of the flow of the season. Like if Rodney Hood had stayed healthy, I think you would have seen him play a bigger role, like in the playoffs, play more minutes, play more minutes down the stretch of games. But hey, you know, hats off to Joe Johnson. He played like a baller, and uh, Rodney Hood's still very young. So yeah. you know, in a year or two, you're going to see Rodney Hood making the shots Joe Johnson was making. Some of them. You know, he'll probably get an overpriced contract in a few years for sure. Well, yeah, well, all these guys are gonna gonna do well. <laughs> it's a good time to be coming into your restricted free agency in the NBA the next year or two, uh, and you know, I hope it continues for those for the NBA. But you know, everybody's everybody's uh, having a party with the contracts as long as you are wanted at all. You know, do you know who has? Signed for two one-day contracts in the last two seasons. One-day, con- ten-day contracts? Nope, one-day contract. I don't know what you're talking about. Dante Jones. Okay. It's literally, the Cavaliers have signed him before their 82nd game this year as well as last year. Never played before then. To play He's, to be on the playoff roster. Yes, he is their goon. Okay. Like, I He's remember last year, guy. if you remember the Cleveland-Toronto uh, series, Bismarck Biombo yep. was just having a field day, and he was, like, feeling it a little bit too much and being a little out of place. I think he got received instruction from LeBron saying, get in there and go rough him up. You think LeBron, like, bought him some earrings or something? Or Well, he, pa- he paid <laughs> for his uh, fines last year. He did? Yes. Like, he, he was under instruction to go in and rough up Biombo, put him in his place. And then this year, there's still that bad blood. He, he got he got in the game, had a, a sick dunk. If you remember, Dante Jones is an incredible athlete. Uh, he was actually one of my favorite players at Duke. Gets in the game, picks up two quick technicals, and get gets tossed. Uh, I just felt like he wasn't like a, a good ball handler. For a guy his size, with his tool set, he just didn't have that, that ball handling component down. It was just like a little stiff. He was a great athlete, an explosive athlete, but explosive. not not nimble in the right way. Like, and um, and I think, you know, I think that was like sort of like if you just gave him that one gift extra. So you think he if might he have had better really handles, he would have been like an all star? I think if he had a better handle, no, I'd say he just would have been a he significantly better. significantly better player. Um, I mean, there are just players from the whole gamut. You know, yeah. he's like just a solid. Bench player, maybe like a fifth fifth starter. God I mean, made some money, right? I I imagine he did. Yeah, yeah. God I mean, made cer- f- certainly made more money than Jay Williams, who yeah. they were they were buddies. And the reason he transferred to Duke is because he and Jay Williams were buddies from New Jersey. You know, he went to Rutgers for a couple of years. Yeah, he played then, the first two years at Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, I still remember Literally. one of my favorite memories from Dante Jones was Kevin when he, when he had that. Insane dunk at I think it was Virginia, right over somebody, and he started doing push-ups. <laughs> yes, like it was like this is awesome. Like typically, he, I don't advocate like Cam Newton type you know, celebrations, but he dunked. There was a foul. He got he was on the ground and he started doing push-ups. Was he one of the first players at Duke to be all you know, tatted up? 
Um, probably. Yeah. I would imagine, yes. He, he has he had a rougher sort of rougher exterior. He's a tough yeah, guy. He's mean. You know, this but he was also like one of the leaders of, of that 2002, 2003 type. Like after Battier left, yeah. after Jay Will and Dunleavy and Boozer left, like he was sort of the main cog. Uh, one of my also favorite memories of him, uh, which may come into play in the finals, is he's got a lot of bad blood with the Golden State Warriors because he was Dante Jones was on the Clippers when they had sort of a feud a few years back. They were interviewing Draymond Green after a game, and Dante Jones is walking off the court, and he and he bumps Draymond, you know, shoulder to shoulder, and Draymond just gives him a look like, "Who are you? You don't even play," you know. Yeah. It looks like he played 24 minutes in last year's playoffs. He had two points and uh, three hip checks. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I'm excited for him. I mean, I'm happy to see any any Dukey getting NBA playoff yeah. action. There doesn't seem like there's quite enough. Like, uh, feels like Dukies are unevenly distributed on non-playoff teams, and or if their team makes the playoffs, they're injured. Jabari Parker didn't get to play in the playoffs, and I would have loved to have seen him play in Milwaukee. Showed pretty well. Justice Winslow gets injured and Miami goes on a 23-game winning streak. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Let's skip that one. Uh, Kyrie Irving has been doing it. Kyrie Irving has been carrying the mail for Duke important playoff Kyrie superstar. Is, is, is he going to be the best Duke NBA player ever? I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody would trade a young Kyrie for a young Grant Hill. If there's no injury factor, you would take Grant Hill. Everybody would take Grant Hill. Everybody. Grant Hill, without the injuries, would have been a top 20 NBA player of all time. Like, hands down. I mean, his, talk about a two way player. That's a, actually a very interesting question. I would tend to agree with you, but I don't think it's as easy a decision as you're making it out I mean, to his be. ceiling is higher than that. It's too bad we don't have more followers. We could do like a Twitter poll. <laughs> That's true. His <laughs> ceiling is really like top 7 to 10 so, NBA players. So, so you're saying like, injuries aside, you would you think it's an easy decision. Grant Hill is the better Duke NBA player than Kyrie Irving. Easy. easy. Who's going to have the better NBA career when it's all said and done? I guess, I I guess Kyrie... Will uh, let let me ask you this question: uh, Who will have more like top three MVP finishes, Kyrie or Grant Hill? I don't know. Nobody really respects Kyrie that much to put him in the top three. I feel but who knows what's going to happen after LeBron leaves? Does he have? I don't think he has any yet. Yeah, that, I mean that's I correct. Mean, so, he definitely doesn't have any yet. I mean, I'd have to look up Grant Hill. Man, his career is big. And, you know, uh, I don't even know. Grant Hill's got five MVP award chairs. What does that mean? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to do, we'll do, we should do a, like a Grant Hill segment on one of our Email us your thoughts. At some point. Grant Hill or Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting. NBA career. Yeah, I mean. Or or is there, are we missing somebody? Is there some other Duke Dukey who's had a better NBA career than Grant Hill? Or projected Kyrie? Career? Yeah, the other ones are uh, Elton Brand. Come on, stop. Hey, Elton Brand is respectable. Perennial All Star, respectable. Multiple Olympic gold medals, like that. That doesn't matter. He's also he didn't play in, a pivotal role in any of those Olympic teams. Oh, I disagree. No, you're wrong, actually. Okay. All right, we're gonna get into this next podcast because we want to cut this one 
you know, I got to go to my son's t-ball game. Uh, it's picture day or <laughs> t-ball practice. It's picture day to practice Wednesday nights. Uh, we'll get into Grand Hill, Elton Brand, Kyrie. Maybe we'll, you know, we talked about who we would sort of choose on our all Duke ever teams. That was like college framed. Right. When we get to the NBA, it's NBA a different now. story. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, Corey Maggette's one of the top ten players ever, maybe from Duke in the NBA, and uh, you know maybe not, maybe not. Remember, but, uh, remember when you thought Julia Okafor was going to be a surefire Hall of Famer? Man, it's such a disappointment. <laughs> it's such. No, nobody wants him. They couldn't even trade him. Yeah, I, I hope. I still hope that like part of it is this knee injury that that hasn't gone away. You know, he hasn't been healthy since like fifty games into last year. Uh, and he hasn't been healthy in his mind apparently in uh, two years, in terms of like his uh, his work like, ethic, uh, commitment. Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not all his fault, but you know it's a it's a shame. Like the NBA game has changed so much, it has not changed for Jaleel Okafor's benefit. It's uh, it's fleet-footed guys who can close you know, centers who can switch positions and you know protect the rim and not post up. It's guys who can shoot the three or stretch the floor, yeah, space the floor. He's living in the wrong era. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, there, was, there was a really good uh, podcast on uh, The Vertical with Adrian Wojnarowski, who had Brett Brown, the coach of the 76ers. Like, that, I highly recommend that was really to good. this interview. It's actually great yeah. if you're interested in also, any number of yeah. topics. Also, like, Jason Tatum was on the sidelines with Evan Daniels and had some pretty pretty good stuff to say. Didn't realize he was such good friends with Bradley Beal. Went to the same high school, I think, from the St. Louis area. Jason Tatum, where did you hear this? Uh, this is the Sidelines. Sidelines podcast? Podcast with uh, Evan Daniels, I think. Okay. But he, he was on there. And if you scroll farther back, uh, Coach K's on there and Jeff Cable's on there. So there's some decent podcasts. To and when is John Shire going to start dropping Hopefully some soon. off-season podcasts? Yeah. I mean, as much as I clowned him, I mean, I loved his podcast. Yeah, no, it was great. And it, was like, it was a gift. Last year, and probably partly inspired us even doing this. Like, maybe that guy seemed pretty clueless, even though he's a coach at Duke. Like, he's just winging it. We're we're obviously winging it even harder. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for, for listening. Got your. Uh, hopefully, we gave you a little bit of uh, information uh, about some of the recruiting, and um, we're all we're all kind of hoping the roster rounds out as well as it can. There's actually still a lot to talk about. We got. Still in the playoffs. Still got these recruits. We got Frank Jackson. Got What's going to happen? We got the draft coming up. We got NBA Summer League coming here to Vegas. We'll be uh, we'll be podcasting live every day, all day, <laughs> from uh, the Thomas and Mack Center. And then, um, you know, after that, it'll be slow. It'll be slow till till the blue white. So we're not even in the off season yet. And then we get to react to every John Shire podcast. We get to. He- I can't wait to hear who. Uh, Trayvon Duvall's like uh, all time, you know, six man is in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> but email us your thoughts on Grant Hill or Kyrie Irving or somebody else as the best Dukey in the NBA. I, I think that's a really good question. Yeah, I think it's, a little, it's something for us all to think about. And even if you don't take the time to email, we'll put a little more thought in. We'll do our 10 minutes of research before the next podcast and we'll make it a segment, you know. Uh, and Rod, I think uh, Rodney Hood has a chance actually to be. He has no chance. Not the all-time best, but one of the one of the five or ten. Um, 
at his age, he's already accomplishing a lot. He's on. He's in the right program. I actually can't even think of ten truly excellent Duke players in the NBA. All right, we'll do a quick fire. We'll go back and forth. Name, name, like very quick, and then we'll wrap it. Just for thirty seconds, I'll start. We already named guys. Grand Hill, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Elton Brand. Yep. We talked about these guys. Rodney Hood. You can't. You <laughs> Corey Maggette. Corey Maggette. Sure. Um, Johnny Dawkins, Mike Jaminski. Johnny Dawkins, Mike Jaminski. Okay, a little bit before. Christian Leitner. Christian Leitner. Come on. Uh, we can't put Bobby Hurley or Jason Williams on the list. We uh, can put JJ Redick on the list. I would put Redick and Battier. Battier, yeah, yeah. Battier is in the discussion, not for the best all time, but if we're no, doing a top ten. But what I, what my point is, we sort of have to rack our brain when we get to the seven, eight, nine, ten slots. Like there, well, there none aren't of these guys slam are dunks. Perennial all stars. These aren't NBA. like like we're probably missing somebody. Jerky Parks was a pretty all star, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, Mason might get in there. Mason, Mason, Mason Plumley might get in there. Mason belongs in in the, this discussion, I guess. And we got to go back and think about Gene Banks, maybe. Although he he, he never was as good. Come on, let's great. stick let's stick with the modern era. Danny Ferry didn't quite do it. Danny Ferry must have had an okay NBA career. We'll I, have to look I, it up. I doubt it. He spent a year in like France because he was afraid yeah. of the NBA. Gosh, you know Al Abdul Nabi is uh, the announcer on the Sixers, does all the, uh, the Comcast, but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, pretty weak. Boozer, Boozer's top ah, ten, easy. Boozer, Boozer, Boozer's in even there. Dunleavy is probably like top fifteen, twenty-ish. Yeah, Boozer and Dunleavy, they have substantial NBA careers. There's a lot of guys with substantial NBA careers. Joe Henderson has a substantial NBA career, but he's not in the top ten. These are all he guys who are like twenty, thirty kind of guy. Like super exciting in college, then their NBA careers, yeah, disappointing. Well, you know who's going to be one of the guys? Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's going to be one of the ten guys. You say this every two years. Jason Tatum's going to be one of the guys, and you, you know, you think it's Frank Jackson. Uh, I'll take Tatum <laughs> over Frank Jackson. All right. All right. And uh, eventually, the greatest redemptive arc, Grayson Allen, will 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 go down as the best all-time NBA player. Period. Not just from Duke. That's my dream. Thanks, guys. Go Duke.